Hello, everyone. Welcome to another coffee chat session for my YouTube channel, Data Science with Sam. In today's session, I'm not going to talk about data science or any other technical topic in general. Rather, we'll discuss about a very unique issue called imposter syndrome that has become quite com common in every professional flint, including data science, actual science, or any other areas. To talk about this thing, I was joined by Stephen Mathis. Uh, he's a renowned uh, speaker and author, also a fellow of Society of Actuaries. Stephen, welcome to the session. I'm very thank glad to have you here to talk about this interesting topic. Uh, thank you, Sam. And in fact, you know, you you said we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, and it reared up as soon as you said the words renowned about me, because that's not really how I think about myself. And I guess that's ultimately the essence of imposter syndrome, is that other people see you better than you see yourself, maybe? Would that be a, a way to think about it? Yeah, I think that's a really good way, a good segue to start the discussion then. Cool. So, um, so I mean, when you talk about imposter syndrome, right, it's kind of like the feeling of inadequacy or incompetency, like, you know, always like, you know, bog you down that, you know, that you are not good enough or whatever you learned in your life or whatever the degree you got, whether it's a PhD or master's in an field area, that's kind of just went in vain since you are not good enough. So... Yeah. In your words, what do you think about this imposter syndrome? If you, if somebody would ask you, like, okay, give me like just a two-liners description about uh, imposter syndrome, and that you can actually tell that to a five-year-old kid. So, what would you tell to that person? What is imposter syndrome all about in just two-liner sentence? Gosh, in a couple of lines. Well, well, it might be something like, hmm. the more you know about a subject, the more you know you don't know about that subject. And, and one of the things that that does is like, you know, in data science, in my world of actuarial and engineering and accounting and law in, in any other profession, you're going to go through this progression where you don't know anything at all. And then you're going to learn some uh, elements of that profession and you're going to learn some techniques and you're going to be like, OK, that's cool. But what happens is it's kind of like an expanding circle. Like so the, the circle is how much, you know. And the circumference is how much you don't know. So whenever you learn something new and the circle of area expands, well, so does the circumference, like how much you don't know expands. And so then you're like, oh, I want to learn a new thing. So you can learn a new thing. But how much you don't know, it's because you can see more elements of it. You can see more applications. You can see more uh, ways of, of, of using that skill. And therefore, it opens up more avenues to that creative mind. And so... The more you know, the more you know you don't know. I, that might be. I think, that, I that think be that's a really great analogy. The more you know, more you think you don't know anything, right? Yeah. Because especially in, we are literally living in a fast-paced environment. We are literally mm -hmm. living in an era of technological revolution. So yeah, many yeah. things going on around the world. So every time I get on LinkedIn, I see people are doing so many innovative projects, whether in the field of artificial intelligence, machine learning, data science, or even in actual science. Right. So I think that sometimes it kind of like gives us a kind of, a, I would say, a negative feeling that I feel like, oh, yes, I, I did a master's in data science. I knew a lot of about data science, but I don't think so. I've ever done this project in that way. So maybe that is something I should do or something I should have learned, but I did not. So am I good enough to do that kind of project? What the, a kid from uh, like other part of the world already did and he's been really good. Like one example I can give you, like, you know, I'm very, very interested in computer vision. 
but I've seen that in there's so many like uh, young students and you know fresh like undergrad students are doing so many innovative work. And sometimes I feel like, yeah, I took a course in computer vision, but am I good enough to do anything in computer vision? I don't know. I think this kind of feeling basically, you know, maybe contribute to that in imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah, sure. When you're when you're seeing other people that are doing uh, things that you can't do, that certainly yeah. contributes to it. Um, one of the things that and I guess I'm going to reference my mother. She was a, a high school. Uh, she was a college French teacher for a while. And in fact, here's an example that that I'm going to say has taught me that okay, you might not be able to do it, but so what? Do it anyway. Um, one of the one of the department chairs assigned her to teach a less like a class on say 18th century French literature. And her response was, well, I don't know 18th century French literature, right? So the imposter is coming out there of saying, well, I don't know how to do it right now. But that other expert, the department chair said, no, you're right. You don't know how to do it right now, but you can read two weeks ahead of the students. And therefore you can be the leader for them and you can guide them in that way. And I think that's one of the things that that we do have when we get into some of those more advanced uh, technologies. No, we might not know it. However, we have such a great background and and such a, a wide background and such a specific background in whatever it is that we need. And we might not know it right now, but we can pick it up very quickly. We can definitely be able to, to be successful at that. No, we can't do it right now. But when you started, before you had your master's degree, before you had your undergraduate degree, you didn't know those things either. And, and oh. you still learned them, right? And so just because you don't know how to do it right now, shouldn't stop you from trying and i think maybe that's one of the uh that, that might be a little a lesson to to take uh, out of this discussion I th i'm pretty sure i mean i think uh one thing i was just you know literally thinking it's not only i mean obviously i mean having a degree it's kind of like help you to kind of lay the foundation of our basic skills or like basic knowledge and you can build upon that as you lay you know like start working on a project or maybe uh, dive into like some of your professional work that kind of like relate to that particular field. But yeah. once, so since you mentioned that, you know, your uh, mom's personal story, I feel like it's also sometimes it boils down to the words of encouragement or, you know, how your mentor or even your supervisor empowering you to take the challenge. I feel like sometimes that also helps to alleviate that imposter syndrome because somebody is telling you that, yes, you can do it. Okay. Right. Uh, don't you think so? Yeah. You know, like, you know, based on what you just said about your mom's uh, personal yeah. story. Absolutely. It's that objective perspective. Like, like somebody is external to you saying, no, I, I believe that you can do this. And that's why I've, I've asked you to do this. And, and so case in point, like you sent me a message that said, Hey, I'd like you to be on a podcast to talk about imposter syndrome. And again, my first thought was, wait, why me? Because I don't feel like I'm that expert. And yet somebody outside of me saw something that said, okay, this person, you know, would be a good reference for that. So even if I don't feel it, it can still be true. And and this is another thing that one of my other friends said, um, somebody tells her all the time, your feelings are valid, but they're not true. And in the same way, like our feelings of inadequacy are valid. We feel that way, but it's not true that we're inadequate. And And all we have to do is look at that external perspective that is, you know, maybe it's making the request of us to take on another project. Maybe it's making us, you know, asking us to step into a role. Maybe it's something else that's telling us that we can handle this, this other component that we didn't, didn't believe by ourselves. 
But that external view, that external perspective says, okay, yes, I do see all those those avenues in you, or I do see all those competencies in you. And it's that external perspective that I that I think we are going to have to learn how to trust more than our own internal um, internal conflicts and feelings uh, when it comes to situations like this. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point, and that's kind of like, you know again. I mean, we talked about this imposter syndrome, and like we know that there are different aspects of imposter syndrome. It could arise anytime in your you know personal life, whether you're dealing with your professional work, you're kind of struggling to you know like get done with the project, or even you're you know like you're not uh, getting good score or good grades in the school. That's kind of like you know started giving you this imposter syndrome. But sure, sure. at every time when we have this kind of sin the syndrome. I mean, do you think that what, what would be our first point of view? Like, uh, as a, from, from my personal experience, I'll tell myself that always that, you know, like it's okay to not know everything. You know, like sometimes when this imposter syndrome, maybe I never actually had this syndrome, but if it ever kicks in in my brain, I would always try to tell myself that it's okay to not know everything. Just focus on what you're good at and also focus on something that will be kind of that aligned with your self-interest and your passion. So I yeah. feel like that's maybe one way to deal with that. But again, that's just my personal, uh, like uh, object, you know, uh, perspective on this. So mm-hmm. what do you think about that, Stephen? You know, like, is it, do you think this is, would be a good segue to deal with this imposter syndrome, just to kind of self-motivate yourself by asking this question? And sure, yeah, that that self-motivation is going to be a valid way to deal with it. I think one of the one of the challenges is recognizing if you actually are experiencing an imposter syndrome and you're capable, but you don't feel it, or if there really is a legitimate skills gap or, or an emotional capacity gap or a time capacity gap, like, um, you know, understanding that difference between what really is and what you feel is probably going to be important. Like the, you know, the first step in, in solving a problem is correctly identifying the problem. And that's where, you know, I think um, a lot of people just, they, they believe that they don't have the skills and, and that's like, um, you know, it's a false evaluation of their own ability. And so they believe they're over here, but what is really happening is that they're, they're, they're fooling themselves and and they're they're exhibiting this imposter syndrome for whatever uh whatever reason that it's that it's going on um you know can the idea of just move forward be valuable absolutely and i think that that's probably one of the things that um you know is is valuable is people just actually trying something and and admitting and and here's the thing where we might need to put our ego aside sometimes we might need to admit that okay i don't know all of the all of the skills that I need to have or all of the technology that I need to know. I don't have everything 100%. I have 85% of what might be ultimately needed. And I'm comfortable moving forward with that and then picking up the rest along the way. So I think that idea of, yeah, just moving forward and admitting that there might be some um, some bits missing of whatever it is that you that you want, whether it's a technology, whether it's a skill. And you know, working to pick that up along the way is a good way to to get past that initial hesitation that often comes with that that feeling of inadequacy. Even if you're not inadequate, that yeah. it does feel that way. So, I, yeah, that's I guess my perspective on that one. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I totally, I can, I can, I'll kind of <clears throat> uh, align that with my uh, 
per own per personal perspective as well on this uh, very generic topic because it's it's so difficult sometimes for us to like self motivate ourselves just to question uh just asking the question like you know like okay if you think I'm not good enough then what is lacking you know like yeah it's so easy to like you know having that imposter syndrome thinking about okay you're not good at and just to like drop the ball and like you know just get into that depression mode but it's it's i think it takes that courage all that motivation to get out of that area and sometimes you need that external perspective as you mentioned a few minutes back you need somebody like you know just do that pat on the back and say hey you can do it okay so you have yeah. this uh, you know enough skill set or experience to take, take care of this project take over these projects even if some of the things are lacking but you can self learn and you can actually, you know, get to that, uh, you know, the bottom of this thing. But uh, and sometimes, you know, like you don't get that external perspective. And in that case, it I guess it depends on person to person. Some people are, I mean, they're like born capable to like, you know, self-motivate them and get out of that, uh, you know, that uh, dilemma or anxiety and maybe push the limit to the next level. But some people, they won't be able to do that. They just kind of like uh, bog down with the syndrome and that literally ruin or affect their professional and personal career mm -hmm. at some time. So yeah, I mean, so um, so talking about this uh, imposter syndrome, I mean, now we're talking about more of how we can alleviate some of the imposter syndrome. So as you said, the external perspective work, and sometimes it also works that you know, like you need some um, people, you know, some good mentor or supervisor that can give you an, you know, impact or that can actually make impact to alleviate this kind of syndrome. So do mm -hmm. you think that um, in, in a professional workplace, when we um, work with the people and when you see that your coworker is doing well or your, your colleagues are doing very well than you, do you think it's also kind of like a human mindset that, okay, you know, as I talk about, about that, you know, always comparing yourself with someone that also kicks in that imposter syndrome sometimes because we, I mean, it's like a, a kind of like an essence of human mind, right? We always compare ourselves with someone, right? Even if oh, it's yeah. not a good thing, but we always judge ourselves based on someone else's skill set on their performance or achievement, right? So yeah. I just feel like sometimes that also kind of like contributes to the imposter syndrome. Uh, what do you think, you know, like um, about that? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that idea of comparison not only to yourself and your own standards or your own skills, but to your peers or to the people who are above or below you, that can that can definitely be uh, play an impact in how you view what you're doing. And, you know, um, I have to admit that there were times in my career where I thought I was better than the guy next to me because I was passing my actuarial credentialing exams faster than he was. But okay. in, the, in the end, you know, I think that was a bit of a skew on what it is, what what skills I had or, or what skills he had. You know, it didn't really necessarily mean that I was a better person or a better employee. It just meant that I was better at this one task. Right. I was just I had some kind of an advantage there. And and so that's the same thing with any of those other avenues like my skill at, at say passing these exams had really nothing to do with the other 90% of my employment right and my position so um to to view this one area where i was i guess objectively better as and then translate that into everything else was was probably a poor perspective because then it gave me this inflated sense of ego or or inflated sense of ability and then 
you know, if I were to look at somebody else, maybe they're better at one area and I'm focusing only on that one area and I'm, and I'm ignoring the whole rest of the perspective. And so that, that definitely goes both ways. And yeah, and humans are very, we, we are competitive people because we, we kind of had to be, you know, we, we grew up in an era like, and I'm talking, you know, 50 million to, to a million years ago where there weren't yeah. technology <laughs> like this, right. We were out, you know, hunting animals and and trying to stay warm in the winter. And so we had to be competitive and we had to, to be very, you know, very rigid about what it is that we were doing in order for us to survive. And, and unfortunately we don't need, fortunately we don't need to do those same kinds of activities now, but unfortunately our unconscious mind doesn't know that, right? It's the, it's the subconscious mind that's driving a lot of these things. So that's where, you know, that comparison comes in. That's where the feelings of inadequacy and, and imposter syndrome come in. That's where a lot of those, those uh, you know, subconscious unadmitted uh, impulses drive a lot of our, our conscious yeah. decision-making, even though it's such a small fraction of everything that has happened in, in our whole day or in our whole life. And, and I see, you you know, kind of smiling and I'm sure you felt the same way too at at times. There's like, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) Why am I doing this? Right. You're like, why am I doing this? I kind of intellectually, I know it's not the right thing to do. And yet there's a part in your brain that says, yeah, we're going to do it anyway. Right. And I'm I'm sure you've, you've felt that same sort of comparison. I can definitely give you like a very small example. And I, I think my viewers will be interested to know that uh, being a YouTuber, I started this journey a year back. But sometimes we always like get into my YouTube channel to see how many subscribers I have. And sometimes when I look at and some of the other people who actually have tons of tons of subscribers than me, I feel like uh, I feel some sort of like, uh, you know, like uh, inadequacy or incompetency, like, you know, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. But but I always forget the fact that uh, that maybe the par- comparison are not on the basis of a, a perfect parameter because the other, you know, YouTubers, they might have done a long journey. They actually long, came a long way to like get that subscriber. I just started yeah. for a year or so. So this is just like, a, I mean, just example I'm giving because I'm a human being. I'm also not perfect. And everybody has that feeling that they, because especially when it, uh, when it comes to social media, we all kind of like tend to focus on quantitative metrics than qualitative sometimes. We always try to see that how many likes or comments we got on our post or something like that. And that also, you know, grow that, you know, that uh, feeling of inaccuracy and like, you know, feeling of not good enough. And sometimes that kind of goes into imposter syndrome. I mean, because everything is so correlated with each other. So yeah, this is just an example. I mean, because we all been go- going through the same thing. And I, I don't think so human mind would ever divert from that competitive mindset. But but I think I, I going back to your point, I guess there's one way maybe we could reduce that or elevate it a little bit by thinking about, yeah, you can definitely compare yourself with other, but maybe asking the question, is it this comparison is based on a uniform matrix? Like if I'm trying to compare myself with a YouTuber who has been around for more than 10 years, that's not a fair comparison. No, it's not. Think about that. Okay, so yeah, then maybe I can focus on, well, I compare with somebody who started the journey at the same time or maybe sharing similar kind of contents and see where I'm lacking, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, that's why we, I mean, comparison is good, it's healthy, but you always try to, um, you know, understand that, okay, so all the, all the comparison matrix, the parameter you're choosing, are the, is it uniform? It is it like, you know, relevant enough so you can put yourself in the same bucket with the other person whom you're comparing with? So yeah. I feel like that's that might help a little bit. Again, that's just my sure. personal perspective. 
Yeah, but that comparison, uh, you can fall very easily into, as you said, that that spiral of negative thought because, well, I'm not as good as them or I'm not as good as them. But then again, when you do the same kind of cohorting that you're talking about, well, let's compare only to people who started about the same time, who publish about the same type of content, who publish about the same frequency. Well, eventually you you bring that all the way down to you're only comparing against yourself. And yeah. so like, you're because you are so unique and you are so different. And, and generally that that's what happens. And that's where we get the idea. Um, and, and, you know, I think that we should, you know, there's a lot of people that, that try to ignore what's happened in the past. And I think that's all well and good for say things like decision-making, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't make your future decisions based on sunk costs or, or what has happened in the past. However, if you're trying to evaluate your own achievements, I think you should spend time looking at what you have been able to do in the past 12 years, 12 months, 12 years, or et cetera, where you have come and and spending some time looking at that and reflecting on how much you've been able to do, not so much on what you haven't done or what is still to come. And I, and listen, I say this, I, I speak to you as much as I speak to me. I speak to me as much as I speak to you because this is a challenge that I have. It's just and the continuous you, progress, right? You know, yeah. at some point in time, you just compare yourself to see you're on right track or you're progressing year by year because I feel like right. we all should have like a yearly roadmap and see where we are at the end of the year <laughs> and just make an assumption. Okay, did I learn something, you know, as opposed to the previous year? How did I pro make progress? Uh, I was actually, I think I was listening to one of these, um, I guess, uh, interesting speakers talk about inspirational stuff. I think he was saying that, I mean, yeah, comparison is good, but sometimes you just have to compare yourself with what you have achieved and what you have, you can do and just create a roadmap. And that should be your parameter. So just, just make sure that you are improving yourself. You're being, you're kind of raising the bar year after year, month after month. So that should right. be the actual comparison that, you know, every human should do in their life. But again, we are all competitive. We usually don't do that. But I think that's one way maybe we should start rethinking about how we can compare ourselves with our own achievement other than just, you know, just stuck in like in a company ourselves with somebody else, which is not even like uh, relevant to the context. Yeah. At the same time, it's very easy to compare against yourself, yourself against somebody else, because there are so many ways to do that. Like you, there's an athletic event where the fastest person is pretty clearly the fastest, or the one yeah. who can jump the highest is just the the one who jumps the highest. And the basketball game where the per, the team that scores the most points clearly they're better. Um, it it's a lot harder to do on some of those self reflection metrics and and self reflection ideas, and so that's probably where you know having some kind of a plan that you can check back against is going to be valuable. And I'll bring in, you know, just another avenue of like, personally, I have a habit of or, or a hobby of doing some writing. I write some fiction and some other nonfiction. Uh, and so in the past, before say 2022, I didn't really have a plan. It was more, I'm just going to do a bunch of writing. And that was, that's really hard to evaluate. Okay. What have I done? And, and am I making the progress that I really know that I want to make? So at the beginning of 2022, I, I set out, okay, well, what are the things that I can do? Not, not like how much do I want to have done, but what, I, what can I do over the next period of time? And I started actually making tracking of that. Like how many times am I sitting down to actually write a story? How many times am I finishing something? How many times am I submitting something? And so now at the end of this year, I'm going to be able to go back and say, okay, here's what I plan to do. Here's how much I actually got done. 
And no, it isn't all what I got done or what I planned, but I know how much I did. And I'm pretty proud of myself for that. And that I think is going to be one of the ways to help me work through some of that feeling like an imposter because I get the same, I get it in, in those other avenues too. It's not just in the professional world or when somebody invites me onto a podcast or to be a, be a presenter on a, on on a conference session. So it's in all the areas and having those, having those things that you can like, okay, at least have some kind of a stake in the ground that you can refer back to again later gives you the opportunity to make that fair evaluation. Because if you're just looking at it yourself, you're going to be pretty unfair because you're unobjective, right? You yeah, have the exactly. feelings and they're clouding your thoughts and your your ways of understanding. So yeah, having some things that, okay, I said, okay, I'm going to put out these different metrics and I'm not going to feel bad for not meeting them. And I'm not going to feel excessively good for beating them. I'm going to feel proud of having worked on them. That's, that's a different way of. Uh, I mean, that's it. absolutely right, Stephen. I mean, like, it's like, I mean, I know it's so easy for us to kind of like self-criticize ourselves because, you know, it's it's so easy way to like, you know, like to um, just thinking about the failures. Uh, but sometimes it's it's really, uh, you know, pivotal for us to like, you know, just to sit down and think about what you achieved, irrespective of what is a small or big achievement, just appreciate yourself for all the little achievements you've done. And that's yeah. uh, for all my viewers, you know, like, it doesn't matter what you did, it's the small stuff, you know, like even you just you know, get done with a project or even you just run something or even write an article, a book, or just complete a just small personal project, or even if just going to a volunteer event and doing something for the community. Always try to make sure that you know appreciate yourself for the all the little achievements, right? And yeah. I think sometimes that will help. You know, like I think uh, as you said, Stephen, you know, like you actually, but you actually have a roadmap. You know, like the end of the year, you're gonna see what you achieved, and I'm pretty sure like some of the stuff will leave out, and that you're gonna work on in the next year. But you are going to actually like self applaud you, yourself for all the achievements you've done throughout the year. And yeah, I think that's also very important for people to not to overlook that because sometimes that helps you to like you know just uh, avoid that imposter syndrome because when you you know start, you know when you just you know like celebrate your achievement you can think about that yeah that gives you like a positive vibe it's like a positive thing you know that that's definitely help you with your mental anxiety and other stress and trauma yeah absolutely yeah I guess I wanted to. I, I just wanted to encourage, you know, you or, or some other people to think about, you know, how do you celebrate those achievements? And then, um, yeah, finding ways to to celebrate along the way too. not you don't have to wait until the end of the year and, you know, find the ways that are they're that in the intermediate of saying, hey, you know what, that was a good one today. It wasn't like great, but it was good. Yeah. And, and hmm, that's that's like, you know, sometimes we encourage kids, right? We can encourage right. kids. And, you know, like we literally encourage for little things, you know, like if they go to a, like a show or they do something else. So sometimes, even if you're a grown adult, you know, I think we have to encourage ourselves sometimes. <laughs> it's not like just because we're, we, we don't re- expect any sort of uh, self-achievement, you know, maybe if nobody's actually, you know, like appreciating you, just appreciate yourself. I think mm-hmm. it's just a mindset we all need to have. And I think that will definitely help us out in future. Yeah. Um, because sometimes external perspective work, but... You don't even know that maybe your manager or supervisor are going to help you out or, you know, like appreciate you all the time. If they do, then you're very lucky, but uh, don't bother about that if they don't, because sometimes you just appreciate yourself. That, right. that would definitely help. 
Yeah. And, so, and you know, it might sound like it might sound like we're saying the same things that everybody else is saying. And, and we kind of are. But that's OK. But like okay. there's there's enough people that don't do these activities for themselves that they need to hear it more and more and more and over and over and over. So, yes, I'm sure there's other people that will tell oh, you this. Yeah. You know. Over communication is always better than under communication. And many sometimes Absolutely. It's more, uh, appreciation is better than under appreciation, you know, at least yeah. uh, this. Um, so, yeah, so talking about this, that one thing I was, uh, I mean, so when you're talking about imposter syndrome, it's about like underestimating yourself, like always putting yourself in that, you know, the radar that, yeah, you're not good enough. If I, on the flip side, there's other thing we, you know, there's a thing, psychological term we call uh, as uh, Dunning-Kruger effect, which is more mm -hmm. of like overestimating your ability and that sometimes it not only impact you, it's actually impact your surroundings, your external uh, people, people you work with, you know, because you literally put a pers wrong perspective to them that, you know, you are an overachiever, you can do anything. And that's sometimes they, that actually impact a project or that impact the people, you know, surrounding yourself or your uh, colleagues. So mm -hmm. choosing between imposter syndrome and Dunning-Kruger effect. I mean, I, I, I just wanted to ask this question here. Do you right. think which one is the lesser evil? I mean, which one would you rather have and the other one you don't want to have in your, you know, in the yeah. mindset you don't have, you know, like, what, what I do you think? I think I would rather I find have... a tricky question, but I just wanted to answer. <laughs> I think I would personally rather have the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, because I think the error is, the error is, it's better to err on the side of caution in that way than to err in the side of um, ability, because the when uh, when we prove my assumption wrong, when I assumed I couldn't do it, it's a better situation. If right. we prove my assumption wrong when that when I'm overconfident, it's a poor outcome generally, right? Because it impact the others, not only you. right, and 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 yet at the same time, I want on my team, I want like. 80% of the people to have imposter syndrome. I want 20% to people to have some Dunning-Kruger effect so that we get some balance okay. and I want some people to be overconfident because then they're going to, they're going to pull us along farther. Like if we, if we aim for, you know, if we start here and we aim for here mm -hmm. and we get, you know, 10% better. Okay, great. But if the people that are supremely confident say, if we start here and we can get there and we miss it by like, you know, 25%. Look, I mean, look how we're, we're so much farther off. I, I, we need to have, I think, balance, we need to yeah. have, I think we need to have a balance of both on the team, but it doesn't need to be equal. I think it, it needs to be weighted one way or the other. And I think I would vote for a stronger weight on the imposters like mm -hmm. themselves. And yet mm -hmm. we need that challenge. We need, we need somebody out there telling us, Oh, hell yeah, you can do that. I know that you can do that. Even though they're, you know, they're the ones that are overconfident in their own skills and in everybody else's skills, because I think that's probably a way to to balance and move forward. So you asked me, I'm going to ask you, which one would you rather have? I mean, yeah, I mean, again, to be honest with you, I think I literally like the idea of like having a balance, not as like a proportional between like having a people with imposter syndrome and the people with Dunning-Kruger effect in the same team. But I think now I'm thinking about it that, you know, like, I feel like sometimes you need the Dunning Kruger effect, people. But for me, I mean, I would rather have imposter syndrome than you know having the Dunning Kruger effect because for me, imposter syndrome is gonna like impact me, which I can overcome. But yeah. Dunning Kruger effect is also gonna impact my colleagues, my work, or like because they're gonna have a wrong perspective about myself. So I don't want to get down to that. But 
when you started talking about that, we still need to have the balance, like, like suppose if I manage a team, if I have people, 10 people, I would still rather have like a few people with the Dunning-Kruger effect because that will going to bring that positive vibe, that energy, which mm -hmm. might like, you know, empower the people with the imposter syndrome. And, I, and I, I didn't think about it, but you started talking about maybe that would be a good to not having a people with only one <laughs> mental syndrome, you know, effect right. in the team. It, it, it needs some sort of a balance. And yeah, sometimes maybe those Dunning-Kruger effect people would create a, I would say some sort of like a competitiveness among the team, which might like, you know, bring those uh, in, people with imposter syndrome up to that scale. And that will be, it's, it will be healthy competition for okay. sure. And yeah. as a manager, it's, it's up to you how you can actually identify them because you have to identify the people with the, uh, imposter syndrome versus people with Dunning-Kruger. So you can yeah. actually manage them efficiently. And both of them have their own unique skill set and power. So you got to actually use it to the good use. So yeah. yeah, so going back to, since you asked me the question, imposter syndrome, anytime I, I because I, I would rather have imposter syndrome, so I'll be impacted by my own mental anxiety or mental you know issue, other than impacting someone else with my Dunning-Kruger effect. But I, I like the idea of having a balance of like a people with both the syndromes in your team. So that will basically make the workplace more efficient. And maybe both of them can learn from each other. I mean, right. just- and 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 I think that both will learn and both will adapt to each other. And and there there could be times when people in one avenue are really, you know, they're really far on this end of the spectrum and then they go over to this one on another project or even later within the same project or after you work with certain people. And nobody should be assumed to be 100 percent fixed and, and rigid where they are right now. And that's how they're always going to be as well. That was another question that somebody asked me a while ago. You know, do you think that. um some of these things that you're talking about, like your personality is, is basically fixed and unchangeable. And and I guess my answer at that point was, I think it'd be rather ridiculous to assume that you can't pick up new skills. Even if you have a personality, you can you can modify how that personality expresses itself or, or how you interact with other people. You can learn new skills all the time. And so just like, you know, understanding imposter syndrome, Dunning-Kruger, these are all part of your emotional intelligence. Those are skills that you can work on and you can improve uh, if you're willing to, if you're willing to put in some work and if you're willing to get some feedback about that. And if you're willing to, you know, make the time and, and put in the effort. Yeah. No, I mean, like, uh, I think it's a great topic and I'm pretty sure it's not the first time we're going to talk about it. And definitely there'll be more sessions forthcoming when, Maybe we can bring more experts from the neuroscience or some other psychological area that can talk more about it and see their perspective as well. But this is a really great segue to start because this imposter syndrome is kind of like a very important topic. And it's a kind of, I would say, a very burning issue that people are still, a lot of people still not having a, a better idea about this thing and what this syndrome is all about. And there's a lot of like a speculation going on. I okay. hope this discussion would provide some sort of a clarification to my viewers and maybe outsiders that what is important syndrome and how you can you know do some good work or maybe how we can motivate yourself to alleviate some of this syndrome and as opposed to also how you can manage people with a turning kruger effect in your team so yeah i mean so to sum up this thing i mean to my viewers and obviously it's a great session and thanks stephen uh would you like to uh, talk a little bit about or want to share any final tips to my viewers about how they can uh you know work with this imposter syndrome how they can actually cope up with this thing uh, at workplace or even in their personal life 
Yeah, I think one of the the only thing that I would say that probably hasn't been said before is, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, recognizing it in yourself. We've talked about spending time looking back and reflecting. I guess the only other thing that had popped into my mind before we started this session is, is to encourage others. I would encourage people to give others the opportunity to to be true to be to be fair with you like and if you if you say if somebody says hey i think you did a great job on that presentation if your immediate thought is well no it wasn't they're just lying about something and you're feeling that imposter syndrome kick in you know i would encourage you to give give their perspective validity and say no they really did think it was a good presentation. And so, you know, don't try to take away their power by immediately dismissing somebody else's opinion or judgment of you. And I think that that's one of the ways that people can work through this issue for themselves and and think about, you know, is this a real valid uh, support of me or is it something that, you know, I'm ignoring or or I'm trying to downplay because of my imposter syndrome? Yeah, that would be the only last, yes. last thing that I would say. It's like giving recognition with proper validation or like why you're recognizing the person that that person really deserved the recognition because they are good at it. Okay, they have yeah. done some uh, tremendous job and they need some sort of like acknowledgement for that. So yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I think it, it's 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 uh, it's not giving them the feeling that someone's recognition is pretty biased because they're just like the person. You know, it's because yeah. they did a good work, they did a good presentation, or anything else that's de- definitely deserves some sort of like uh, acknowledgement. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And uh, so to sum, uh, sum it up, you know, like I would say that uh, obviously the external perspe- perspective matter, you need uh, some sort of like uh, encouragement from your surroundings, maybe from your manager or supervisor, or even in your family, maybe some sometimes from your parents or your friends that you are good enough. You can do a lot. You, I mean, you can push the mountain maybe, or at least you can try to push the mountain. <laughs> and and also sometimes it's it's also boils down to a human being. And I know sometimes the self-empowerment and sometimes self-motivation would do the trick. We can't expect that everybody would have that some kind of mindset, uh, but we can still think about and maybe sometimes sit down and just, you know, just acknowledge yourself or appreciate all the small achievements you have done. Because in our today's world, I think we all deserve some of the acknowledgement. We all are different. We all have done a great work in our own respective areas. And I mm-hmm. think we all need some sort of recognition, either from outside or sometimes just self-acknowledge yourself. Yeah. And, and again, um, uh, I, I can't emphasize that. And it's been a pleasure talking to you, Stefan. And yeah. uh, thanks for sharing all your perspective about this thing. But this is, again, just to segue to get into broader discussion topics uh, related to the same uh, matter. But uh, we will definitely catch up again to talk about more on the Imposter Stringdom. Maybe we can invite more guests who can provide their perspective as well. And we will, maybe more things will come out. Uh, so thanks, Stephen. Thanks for your time. Uh, again, as I said, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, to my viewers, please keep following Stephen on LinkedIn. He posts a lot of interesting articles and stuff that will definitely interest you. And also, please don't forget to like and subscribe to my channel as I'm going to bring more coffee chat session on some different matters that's not really data science, but that will definitely influence your professional career and personal life. So till then, stay tuned and goodbye. Thanks, Stephen. You're welcome.